everyone, it's Jonathan, and welcome to the first of this batch of Wizard of Oz episodes. We're starting off with the one most closely related to the original book. The next two episodes with my friend Mark will stray off in their own directions, but this one is a direct adaptation of the original story with its own strange twists. 2007's Tin Man was a miniseries on the Sci-Fi Channel, and as it was on that particular channel, yes, this is a science fiction retelling of the story. It's probably closer to science fantasy than straight-up science fiction, but you get the idea. Joining me for this episode is my friend Katie Fabric. She might be the only one, or at least one of the only ones, in my online-slash-film-fan friend group who even knew what this was, and thankfully she was totally game to talk about it. So first, let's just talk main Wizard of Oz story. Like, how familiar are you with the Wizard of Oz story in general? I've seen the movie a lot, like, um, the old movie. Um, I never read the book. I got bored of it as a kid. (laughs) Yeah, but I've watched the movie multiple times, so. Okay. So if you've never read the book, you probably were not doing what I was doing, (laughs) watching The Tin Man and trying to figure out what everything was supposed to be a reference to. (laughs) (laughs) So what was your overall impression of Tin Man, the miniseries in general? Um, It was kind of a roller coaster, to be honest. It was not what I was expecting. And it was like better than I was expecting as well. I liked the cheesiness of it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, And like, it just surprised me. And I was like, I wouldn't really, I don't know if I'd recommend it to anybody I know, but I just really, really enjoyed it because of just like how it knew what it was and it didn't feel like it was trying to be something else. Okay. Yeah, I think I feel similarly. I My main, I guess you could say, complaints, even though maybe this isn't bad for some people, was I thought a lot of the dialogue was very clunky. Yeah. <laughs> like, the acting was great for the most part, but I felt like the script needed a little revision. But maybe that's what they were going for. I don't know. Because the main things that I felt were too clunky were the way too many extremely not subtle winks and (laughs) nods to either the original book or the MGM version. Yeah. (laughs) Which, I mean, some people probably would like that. So maybe that's a plus for somebody. But they just stuck out to me like a sore thumb. Every time they mentioned something like, have a heart, Tin Man, or whatever, (laughs) it's like, really? You just said that like 15 minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) How subtle could you not be right now? Yeah, exactly. So I think the best way to tackle this is just to go through it. Because... (laughs) For the most part, I doubt anybody has actually seen this thing because it is, as far as I know, kind of obscure. I knew about it. I don't know how I knew about it because we didn't have cable, but I made a point to track this down and watch it when it aired because (laughs) 
I was excited about it for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> like when, I remember when this aired because I was waiting for it and I watched it very soon after it had aired. So this is not a new thing for me. <laughs> I've, I've always liked the wizard of Oz. It's an imaginative story. And I, as like, I have a whole series dedicated to Alice in Wonderland. So, you know, I like that kind of stuff. I like magical lands and adventures and stuff like that. So when I heard there was a new version of the Wizard of Oz coming out and it was science fiction, I had to see it because like, I, I like the Wizard of Oz, I like science fiction. It was like, this is the perfect thing for me. <laughs> so I don't think I'd actually seen it since then though. So it's been, I guess, 12 years because this came out in 2007. <laughs> so there was a very large gap in between me watching it originally and me watching it now. And I had forgotten most of it. (laughs) (laughs) Even to the point where I was surprised at who was in the movie because, or miniseries, because there are people that I wasn't familiar with back then who I've gotten to know now. So it was surprising to see them turn up in something that I'd seen years ago. Yeah. I guess the biggest one probably is Zoe Deschanel, who plays, I, I, she's DG, but like that's obviously a reference to Dorothy Gale. And I yeah. don't know what DG, DG was supposed to stand for because they never say. I think they said it like once. What was it? I can't remember. <laughs> it's like some passive, um, like someone just like, you, you're the, it's your grandmother. We named her at you after her, and your name's something. But it was, like, really quick. Well, they were talking about Dorothy Gale in that scene. Yeah, they, like, said we named you after your grandmother. So I'm assuming it's Dorothy But Dor- did they name something. her DG, or did they name her Dorothy Gale? Because, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, either way, it's a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> Give this little child a full... Two names, a first and a last name for her first name, or <laughs> give her initials. Yeah. <laughs> <And> only initials. <laughs> Either way, Dorothy is DG. And hopefully I can remember to keep calling her DG because I feel like I'm just going to be going back and forth between Wizard of Oz names and Tin Man names because yeah. <laughs> they gave everybody kind of weird names which i mean i guess it works for this world but some of them are just kind of like really that's kind of strange yeah (laughs) like the lion his name is raw like r-a-w it's like okay (laughs) yeah that really confused me they're like isn't that a little on the nose and i'm like what why i don't get it what's the joke here (laughs) I, it's like I don't know if raw is supposed to be like the sound of a roar, yeah, or like <laughs> raw meat. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I didn't get it. <laughs> anyway, at the beginning we meet DG, and she rides a motorcycle, and I, like everything about her character just seems like they're trying too hard to make her cool. I don't know. I mean, it's fine, but it just seemed like, I don't know. Are you trying a little too hard here? (laughs) And like her biggest issue is that for some reason, there's a police officer harassing her. 
like he's following her around. He goes into the restaurant where she works so that he can order something for her to bring him so that he can give her a ticket when she delivers his pie. And it's like, is that even legal? Like, <laughs> aren't you supposed to like pull somebody over and get their license registration, etc., before you give tickets instead of following them to work? The police officers seemed a little too creepily obsessed. I don't know. <laughs> and and a, another big deviation was when she goes home, it's her parents and not her aunt and uncle. Yeah. And now, then you find out some more stuff later. But at the beginning, it's like they've gotten rid of Aunt M and Uncle Henry. They're, I don't know what the parents' names were supposed to be. I don't know if it said, but they're her parents, not her aunt and uncle. Mm-hmm. And because of all the stuff with the police officer and everything and she's just not happy they're worried that she's going to run away to australia for some reason (laughs) (laughs) i don't know why that just kind of amused me that they would jump to oh no she's going to run away to australia because we found an australia brochure in her room (laughs) (laughs) and another thing that's bothering her is she keeps having dreams about a beautiful woman with lavender eyes who's saying a storm is coming subtle (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think that this beautiful woman with lavender eyes, I don't think they ever gave her a name either. I think she's supposed to be this story's Glenda. I think she's just supposed to be. I think she was the mom, wasn't she? Yeah, but I think that she's their Glenda stand in. Like almost every character in this story stands in for a character in the original, either the movie, the MGM version, or the original book. And I think this woman who you later find out is her real mother is the stand-in for Glenda. Yeah. Otherwise there is no stand-in for Glenda and she's just the mom. I don't know, (laughs) whatever. Like I said, I, the whole time I was watching this, I was trying to figure out what things were supposed to be. Yeah. (laughs) Like how does this fit into the original story? What are they spinning this off of? So that was what I came up with for her. I'm pretty sure she was Glenda. Yeah. Which, in that case, it's talking about the MGM version, because in the book, there are two good witches. Glenda is from the South, and there's another one from the North, whose name either I can't remember, or it's Taddy Poo, which is a name that keeps coming back to my head, but I, I, need, I need to like actually find the book and read it and figure out if I was right in thinking that her name was Taddy Poo. I don't know. Otherwise, I just heard that somewhere, and it's stuck in my head. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> So then we see Oz, which is the OZ, the outer (laughs) zone, because why not? (laughs) This is a science fiction version, and this is another dimension, I guess. I'm not really sure. I don't think it's another planet, because they keep talking about the other side, and like going to find, I I keep wanting to call her Dorothy, D.G., is to go to the other side so i don't know i guess it's another dimension yeah i think so (laughs) what did you think of the the wicked witch whose name is (laughs) as um i mean i don't know (laughs) (laughs) she was fine i guess but she was one of the ones where the acting was a little hit and miss for me. Yeah. She was, I don't know how much was her fault because the character was supposed to be 
I guess, more quietly menacing. And I don't know if she was that great at being quietly menacing. I think they should have just leaned into the Wicked Witch thing and had her be evil and over the top. And I think that would have worked better for her. Mm-hmm. But anyway, her name is Azcadalia, which is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> A lot of things in this thing are ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> See, she's talking about finding an emerald before an eclipse. And you later find out that this emerald is needed to power this machine that uses the eclipse to plunge the land into darkness for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> because she's evil and that's what evil people do. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> At the beginning, I thought that this person that was with her was the lion because she has this psychic lion person named Lilo hooked up to a machine. And he's like, since he's psychic and if he hooks up to this machine, she can see all his visions. And I just thought he was weird. I was like, why is this? Why did they make the lion into this weird thing that can hardly talk? And it turned out he wasn't really the lion, but he was the same species as the lion. And all of these lion people things are psychic, except they see with their heart. <laughs> because why not? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> and this lion is predicting that somebody on the other side might oppose her rule or whatever so she sends her guards who i think like i said i'm very over analyzing this i think the guards are supposed to be this story's version of the winkies except Mm -hmm. they're not green and they're all like super evil in the book and in the movie the winkies were just enslaved but the all these guys seem like they're on her side they they want to carry out her evil bidding because why not (laughs) (laughs) and i like i don't know why anybody would like actively support her plan to plunge the land into darkness like who (laughs) who does that benefit at all (laughs) so then we get the tornado which is apparently a travel storm that helps them go to the other side. <laughs> like, this, I find this sort of funny, but I, in some ways I find it kind of creative. But it's also just amusing to me how heavily they leaned into some kind of ridiculous elements to tell their story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so all of these guards... They're apparently called long coats. I'm probably going to keep forgetting to call them that. <laughs> just like I'm going to keep wanting to call DG Dorothy. Because like in my head, the whole time I was watching, I was just calling her Dorothy. Even though yeah. everybody was calling her DG and nobody ever called her Dorothy. I'm just, I've watched so many <laughs> Wizard of Oz versions this month. That she's just Dorothy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they get to Kansas. I think it was Kansas. I don't know if they ever said for sure. I'm just assuming it was Kansas. They all end up there because of the tornado. And then they like park the tornado for somehow they park the tornado outside the house. It's just sitting there (laughs) waiting for them to get back, just sitting and spinning and causing a storm. I don't know because this is science fiction (laughs) and they like raid 
the farmhouse and her parents get her they like all go up to the attic and go out the window and they're like saying all these cryptic things like it's time and you have to trust us and they're not explaining anything because there's three episodes to this mini series and everything needs to be found <laughs> slowly and then they shove her into the tornado <laughs> i just the, the all the dialogue in that was like just tell her something that makes sense instead of saying it's time <laughs> It's entertaining. It's, it certainly yeah. is entertaining. But this is not like Emmy-winning writing here. <laughs> <laughs> Dorothy wakes up in Oz, surrounded by what I'm assuming is supposed to be the Munchkins. <laughs> what did you think of the Munchkins? <laughs> they were like Munchkin Ewoks. I was like, <laughs> they made me think of Ewoks and Oompa Loompas from the Tim Burton. Um, yeah, well, I had to look it up because the one guy, I thought for sure, like, there was so much face paint on them. I thought for sure the one guy was Deep Roy, who played <laughs> all the munchkins in the Tim Burton Charlie and Chocolate Factory. It wasn't him, but he did sound <laughs> a lot like him. Yeah. And maybe he was one of them because all of the munchkins were played by little people, just like the original MGM version, except they were not wearing fabulous over-the-top costumes they were like jungle warriors with paint and feathers. <laughs> because why not? <laughs> this is a dark version. These munchkin people talk like they've seen her parents. So her parents have come through the storm too. They think that either they're all in cahoots with the witch or... I don't, I don't know what they were thinking. The munchkins weren't there long enough to really explain much. <laughs> but they lock her in a cage where they've also locked the scarecrow of this version, who is played by Alan Cumming. His name is Glitch because the witch took out half his brain for some reason. And he doesn't know why. They, got, they had to have some reason for him to need a brain because he's a scarecrow. So the witch took it. <laughs> like He's not a scarecrow. He's a human. He just has a zipper in his head because the witch wanted half his brain and <laughs> kindly decided not to kill him. Just put a, put a zipper in his head <laughs> because why not? <laughs> I feel like I'm saying that a lot because why not? Because there's a lot of things in this movie that's like, because why not? <laughs> so they like team up. They eventually find this version's Tin Man. Did you recognize him? The Tin Man? I recognized him, but I don't know where from. Do you watch any of the CW's Arrowverse shows? I've seen some of it, yeah. Okay, so he is Neil McDonough. He plays Damien Dark on, like, all of the shows. Oh. Like, he's one of those characters that goes between shows. He's, he's evil on those shows. Mm-hmm. So I had not seen him in anything other than as far as I know, like I'd forgotten that I'd seen him in this. So like I knew him as Damien Dark on mm -hmm. all of the CW's superhero shows. So it was kind of weird to see him go from being this maniacally evil person to <laughs> now he's like this nice but standoffish former policeman who is called the Tin Man because that's what policemen are called in this, in this <laughs> universe. <laughs> it's like... 
Another thing that's super on the nose. That one I understood a bit more because in Western times, they actually called sheriffs tin men because, um, actually not sheriffs, but like, hi- like hired help for the sheriffs because they would have, um, their badges would be made out of tin. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that actually makes a lot of sense. I Yeah, I, I was like, that's the one that man. you guys actually put a little effort into. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. And I, I like that now. It's not... It's not as ridiculous as I assumed. (laughs) (laughs) In this version, they have him rusted by having him be stuffed inside of an old, it looks like an old fashioned diving suit. Yeah. (laughs) And he's been in there for years and didn't die somehow because I don't know, (laughs) people in this universe are like super hard to kill because this guy goes through so much and, and it's like, glitched had half his brain taken out all the lion people are tortured intensely it's like nobody really dies in in here (laughs) except for a flying monkey later (laughs) like they're very they're a very sturdy people in this universe (laughs) so he's just been sitting inside this diving suit for years and he's being forced to watch the day he was captured over and over again all the policemen raid his house and like beat up his family and him. I don't know why. It's just like I guess this is their torture method. It's like, here, watch the worst day of your life forever. <laughs> Which is uh I guess good in an evil way. It's like it's really evil. So they all team up and they're trying to find the brick route to Central City <laughs> instead of the yellow brick road to Emerald City, because Central City sounds cooler, I guess. I feel like they could have called it Emerald City and it would have fit right in. It still would have worked. So they're all teamed up. They're walking along and they find some kind of a slimy membrane sack. I don't know what it was supposed to be, but it was. they found the lion inside of it. He'd apparently been captured by some kind of a creature that they were called a runner. And like, I was going to ask you what you thought it was, but since you haven't read the book, it's like... <laughs> I, I, I could not figure for, out for the life of me what this thing was supposed to be. Yeah. It, there didn't seem to be any sort of book version. The only thing I could think of was in the book, there are creatures called Kaleidas, which are half bear, half tiger. And maybe this is supposed to be that, but like, if that's what they were going for, they, they hid it well because... <laughs> There was nothing about them that was even remotely bearish or tigerish. Mm-hmm. They looked like at the very closest to any animal sort that I could think of was maybe a hyena except made out of sticks. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. I didn't understand what these things were supposed to be at all. They were just faceless monsters with teeth that wanted to eat them, I guess. I yeah. don't know. So all these things are like chasing them through the forest until they get to a cliff over a river and then they just jump off the cliff so that they don't get caught. Because like that's how you survive runners. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> runners are. I don't know. So we get another scene with the witch. We find out that she's keeping somebody in a tiny prison. The same person from DG's dreams. So it's DG's mother trapped in a tiny prison And she's like ranting about how 
she's alive. How could you lie to me? <laughs> and like all the dialogue in these scenes for quite a while is like super cryptic so that nobody really knows exactly what anybody's talking about. It's just, we know that the witch now knows that Dorothy is DG. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's in Oz. But this is when we find out that she has flying monkeys, which in this version are called Mobats. <laughs> because <laughs> monkey bat, Mobats, just call them flying monkeys. <laughs> like they had, It seems like everything in this version, they had to put on some sort of a science fiction-y name. Like, and I know this is like a trope that they use in a lot of science fiction stories where they have to give measurements of time or whatever a different word so it sounds more science fiction-y so i noticed every time they were talking about how many years old something was or how many years ago something happened it was however many annuals it <laughs> happened ago it's like just say years we know it's, we know what you're talking about you don't need to make up this strange version just so it sounds cooler because I didn't think it sounded cooler. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> She's also talking about, and I don't know if we ever found out what this was, talking about the group being stopped by the Pape. Did we ever find out what a Pape was? Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I could not figure that out. I like, it was pretty obvious that the Pape was supposed to be this world's version of the poppies. But oh, yeah. I, I don't know what the Pape was supposed to be. They talked about like the field that they found was maybe the field of the Pape, but like there was nothing in the field. I I was just <laughs> very confused. Because they mentioned the Pape in several scenes, like it was gonna be this big thing, and I just kept waiting for something to happen. And I don't think anything ever happened. <laughs> yeah, that completely flew my mind. I didn't remember that part. <laughs> well, I remembered it because, I, like I said, I'm, I was super overanalyzing everything, trying yeah. to figure out exactly what things lined up with what in the original book and or MGM version. So that stood out to me just because the poppies are like a big thing in pretty much any Wizard of Oz story. So I was pretty sure that whatever the Pape was was going to be the poppies, but it wasn't. I don't know. <laughs> so then the group is walking through the woods and Dorothy keeps remembering all these things that she used to draw and all these things that her father had told her that were supposed to be like stories or something. And she suddenly realizes that her parents were from Oz from the OZ. Then they come upon this little town that has these no humans allowed signs. And the town is full of, I wasn't completely sure if they were supposed to be robots or cyborgs. I know for some of them were supposed to be robots, but like the, most of them looked at least partially human. So I wasn't sure if they were supposed to be cyborgs. I don't know. Like, if they're robots, then why did they make, make them so human-like? Who knows? I don't know. I'm probably overanalyzing that. But I was also wondering, and you probably wouldn't get this since you haven't read the book, or and if you haven't read the, first, the book, you haven't read any of the books, there's another book later on in the series called The TikTok of Oz, 
which is about a mechanical man. And I'm wondering if this is supposed to be a reference to the TikTok of Oz. I really was hoping that the Oz, like the official Oz wiki, would have like a lot of this broken down for me. And it really didn't. (laughs) So I was very disappointed in the official Oz wiki (laughs) because I wanted, I wanted like all the answers. I wanted everything broken down. I didn't want to have to like interpret everything myself, (laughs) but I, I am because I don't know where else to look. Like if the official Oz wiki doesn't have anything about the Tin Man, then who knows? (laughs) So in this robot town, her parents appear And it turns out that they're robots, too. (laughs) So her parents (laughs) were never her parents. She just thought they were, which you'd think would be (laughs) a more devastating revelation (laughs) than it was. Like, she didn't seem to have much of a reaction to this discovery. No, not really. (laughs) And I don't know if it was supposed to be for the story or what, but she didn't seem to have much of a reaction to a lot of revelations. Like toward the end, she got a little bit better about things because things were getting more and more shocking, I guess. But like, she just seemed kind of unaffected by a lot of things. Yeah. Which maybe that's how she is because she plays deadpan very well. Like most things I've seen her in, she's, she's doing a deadpan reaction to everything. And I don't know if that's just her or if she's just good at that or what. But I feel like she needed some kind of a bigger reaction to finding out her parents were robots. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So then they give her this whole backstory about they had been sent to protect her. They were just getting ready to tell her about her history when they were interrupted. Because, of course. (laughs) And she finds out that the person that she's seeing in her visions is her mother. Her mother had given her up to protect her. And the one of the ro- robots, the one that I'm assuming was supposed to be the reference to the TikTok of Oz, because the pictures of the TikTok, I think, if I remember right, he's this big round ball. And this guy was just not round. He was almost round, except for his human head and his <laughs> mechanical arms or whatever. Anyway, he says that they need to find the Mystic Man, who I was assuming was this version's wizard the wizard of oz yeah he gives dorothy this brand on her hand it looks like he's burning it into her hand but it's magic so i don't think she's hurt but he just says that it'll help her on her journey or take her where she needs to go or some other mystical mumbo jumbo like this is like her deus ex machina whenever she needs it just hold (laughs) up your hand and magic happens (laughs) so they leave just before as Cadelia's troops arrive to get her parents. After that, they find out that she is wanted. Like there's a wanted poster of specifically her. Later on, it t- there's wanted posters with all of them on them. But like right now, they just want her. They hitch a ride on this shady carnival van thing. And again, I was, was this supposed to reference anything? The only thing I could think of was that it was supposed to reference dr marvel's caravan from the mgm version but like that was not an oz thing that was in the real world so who knows (laughs) 
were you thinking like that at all watching this? Like, did you think this was supposed to be referencing anything or? Yeah, I did. Um, most of the time when I'm just like, I have absolutely no idea where they got that from. I was hoping that, I, oh, it's just a part I missed in the book. Because when I read the book when I was a kid, I got bored at the Emerald City mm-hmm. when they were describing all the clothes. And I'm like, all right, I'm done. Um, <laughs> um, but so I was like, but there was nothing like that in the book up mm-hmm. to that point. So I was like, did I miss something? It's been a long time since I read it. and But I don't know. The closest I could think of was the caravan from Dr. Marvel before she even goes to Oz, so who knows? Yeah. I don't know who this weird guy in the van was supposed to be. This the whole thing with the caravan, the van thing, every scene that that van was supposed to be in, I feel like they could have cut. And I felt yeah. like that with a lot of things that happened in this, but the van specifically felt like it was a very unnecessary thing inserted just to fill out time. Because, like I said, this is a miniseries. It was three episodes, and each episode was feature length. It was an hour and a half long. So I feel like they really padded these episodes to make them fill out the miniseries. There were so many places where I was just sitting there thinking, I'm so bored. <laughs> like, I, d- I didn't hate this. Like, I was entertained by this thing. And I liked it, but I just kind of got bored in places. And I think that this being my prime example, if they had cut a bunch of elements and tightened the script to account for what they're taking out, they could have made a really fast-paced, great two-hour movie. Mm -hmm. Two and a half if they really felt like they needed it. This didn't really need to be four and a half hours. (laughs) No. The van thing, that was my biggest thing that stood out as something that doesn't need to be here because they don't really find out anything, like anything that they couldn't have found out from somebody else. They just find this van, they hitch a ride, and then they later take the van from the guy. But like everything that happened, they could have gotten rid of. Mm -hmm. So they're inside the city, which is supposed to be Emerald City, but it's Central City. And this is like where I liked the idea that they were going for with the miniseries like everything seemed very steampunk in here yeah and like there were steampunk elements throughout the whole thing but like it was most noticeable in the city i think mm-hmm. and like every time you saw a car it was like an old 20s or 30s car like a really old-fashioned car i liked that idea yeah i think i would have liked things more if they'd leaned into the steampunk a little more in some places but I did like what they were going for in the city. Yeah. So then they find the mystic man who is played by Richard Dreyfus. This is like the biggest nod to the wizard of Oz where he's like, he appears as a floating head and he has this weird show for some reason. <laughs> like he's supposed to be this fortune teller guy answering audience questions. And they find out that he's like under a spell from Azcadalia's Vapors because that makes sense. <laughs> but he's like, he's too far gone to help. So anyway, the mystic man sees the brand on her hand. Her hand brand. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I guess that sort of wakes him up somewhat. And then he recognizes the Tin Man whose name was Wyatt Kane, 
And I need to remember that. He's not the Tin Man. Like, they almost never called him the Tin Man. They called him Kane through the whole thing. But this is another thing. Like, I kept calling DG Dorothy. I kept calling Kane Tin Man. Yeah. Oddly enough, I never called Glitch Scarecrow in my head. But probably because he doesn't look like Scarecrow. (laughs) He has wild hair, but he doesn't look like a Scarecrow. Yeah. And raw, I I also just called him lion. It's hard to separate some of these elements in your head because they just gave gave them unnecessary science fiction names. Yeah. <laughs> the Mystic Man tells them they need to go to the Northern Island, and that DG is the key, and Kane is not to leave her side at any cost. He doesn't explain any of this. That's just what he says. <laughs> But, like, it makes slightly more sense in this for him not to explain because he's, like, all hopped up on whatever Azkadalia's vapors are. (laughs) (laughs) They leave, they take the van from the weird guy, and around that time, the, the witch's forces capture the mystic man to take him back to her, to her prison. They hook him up to the psychic lion. I mean, all the lions were psychic. But like the the specific one that was at the beginning who was named Lilo for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. The name Lilo cracked me up. <laughs> and they figure out from all this where she's going so she can send her minions after her to find her at whatever the northern island is. Which it turns out it's some kind of an ice island. And Dorothy knows about this place from her parents' stories. Like, they kept referencing her parents' stories, but they were never clear as to where her parents telling her these as supposed to be, like, some sort of a history thing, or were they telling her them as fairy tales? I don't know. They were never quite clear as to what stories were. They just kept referencing her parents' stories. And then this ice island was that. Like, it was a story. I don't know. So this is another place where her brand is just another deus ex machina because it glows at the door and it opens. It's a palace, but this is where I felt like it was the most Oz-like. Like, it seemed the most that would fit into any other version of The Wizard of Oz because the inside of the palace, it's very green. It's very opulent, I guess. It just, it looks really cool. Mm-hmm. It's frozen over with ice now, but it looks like it would have been a cool place in the past. It just felt very Oz to me. And then they find a picture of her family. So it turns out that her mother was the queen. So that makes her the princess. So it's like, this is now a lost princess story. <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out that Glitch was their advisor. And the lion, because he's psychic or whatever, He's like, he's saying that bad things have happened here and they need to leave. And then he's using a mirror in the same way that the other lion at the beginning was like hooked up to a machine so the witch could see his visions. He can use a mirror the same way. So he's showing them all these things from the past. It turns out that Azkadalia is her sister. So Dorothy and the witch are sisters. And there's something going on with her, but it turns out that when they were kids... Her sister killed her, (laughs) not like hurt her. She like straight up killed her. And then her mother had to bring her back to life. And because of all these vision things, they figure out that the only way they can stop her is the emerald 
which is what you'd heard the witch talking about wanting earlier. And apparently the secret to finding the emerald is inside Dorothy, but Dorothy doesn't know what that means (laughs) because this is a quest movie. (laughs) Things have to be cryptic. Got to figure it out. And this thing is four and a half hours long. (laughs) So, (laughs) so then the witch attacks and she wants to know where the emerald is. And she shows her her mother for some reason inside of a box thing. And her mother is calling for her. And this is like a very obvious reference to the hourglass scene in the original MGM version. And this is another scene where it's like, this really served no purpose, I don't think. <laughs> they wanted a call back to the MGM version. And it was an easy way to pad out the time, I guess. But she like she says they'll never find her. She smashes the box and everyone starts fighting and running. And then she like opens her coat and she has all these tattoos on her chest and they like start coming to life and flying out. And these are the flying monkeys. Apparently they're tattoos (laughs) because why not? (laughs) So the monkeys attack and they capture everybody except for the tin man. And I guess they didn't capture the scarecrow because in the next episode, the scarecrow's free. But the Tin Man is shot by a guard and he falls out the window, like into the icy river. But like, I wasn't sure exactly what happened because I thought that he fell into the river and it looked like there was like smashed ice around him. But like, he's just lying in the snow in the next episode. So I don't really know what was going on, but that was the end of the episode. (laughs) And really it could have been a lot shorter. Yeah. (laughs) Like I thought that a lot because I have this on DVD. Like, I think my brother got it for me a few years ago for Christmas. Split into two DVDs, and I was watching the first part, and I thought, well, they must have just combined the first two episodes into one thing (laughs) because it was taking so long. I was like, I'll probably have to switch the disc here pretty soon. Nope, that was just the first episode. There's still two more that same length (laughs) that I've got to get through. So I start the second episode. It's more stuff that they probably could have cut. Like Dorothy's having like dreams within dreams. She's waking up in this red room, seeing visions of her mother, but she's dressed like a waitress again from the first episode. And then she's waking up again and she's back in Kansas. And they say that she's been sleeping for 14 hours. So it's like she's back at the beginning of the first episode and everything else was a dream. But then her dad asks about the emerald and then it's not a dream and everything disappears. And apparently the witch has reprogrammed her parents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she's just cool with it, I guess. Yeah. It's like <laughs> another thing that she needed to have a stronger reaction to. I mean, I know that you've now found out that they're not your parents, but they literally raised you from when you were a tiny child And now they're basically not your parents anymore because she's reprogrammed them to be evil. You'd think that this would be more (laughs) horrifying. And then they never show up again. No, they don't. You're right. I I forgot about that. Yeah, they never show up again. They just got reprogrammed. (laughs) Now they're evil and now they're gone. Yep. (laughs) Really, they were only there as plot devices because they only were there to, like, deliver or not deliver key information. (laughs) And then once that was done, we never saw them again. 
they probably could have just cut the, them as well. There was a lot of things that they could have rewritten. Just have her raised by somebody who adopted her in the other world and have other people deliver the knowledge that her parents gave her. Like, I, I could workshop this whole thing. I could probably cut this down to two hours <laughs> real easy. <laughs> Just every part where I was really bored and wanting it to be done, I'll cut that out <laughs> and fill in that info somewhere else. <laughs> so then she's talking to Azkadalia, and she's starting to, like, sort of change. She seems kind of sad, talking about them being friends as kids, and she really needs to know where this emerald is. I mean, you're assuming that she's lying because she's evil and she turns evil again. Like she stops the whole sad act thing when she doesn't get the emerald. But you later find out that they actually were friends. So there's like implications sprinkled throughout these different scenes that maybe the witch is not really as bad as she seems. Like, I mean, she's evil, but something happened to make her this way is what all these little tiny tidbits of information seem to be leading up to. So then we go back to the castle. Glitch is there alone. I'm not sure why he wasn't captured. He finds Kane frozen outside and puts him in that van thing that they had. And apparently he was saved from dying because he had a toy from his son in his pocket that like caught the bullet. But like he fell out a window either onto the frozen ground or into a lake. And that should have killed him. But like I said, apparently everyone is very sturdy in this, in this <laughs> version. See, I thought, but I knew he wasn't dead by the first episode. And I'm like, are they just going to be like, he doesn't have a heart because his family. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of ridiculous choices in this. That would have made just as much sense as anything else. <laughs> Then we find out what happened to Ra. He's been locked in a dungeon with all these other psychic lions who the witch has just been collecting. They talk like he had been there before, and I think they're saying like he's not one of them anymore because he'd like run away or something. But like if that's the case, and I wasn't just reading in something else to that scene, don't you all want to escape? Like he did he did what you people needed to do. So why are you <laughs> mad at him? <laughs> it's like whatever. The other lion, Lilo, is there and he's taken away and he's hooked up to DG. She's like being tortured for the emerald location. Through all this, they figure out something about something called the Grey Gale, but her memories are protected by magic. So nobody knows what the Grey Gale is. And then the witch goes to visit their mother, who now we know that it's her mother as well, to try and figure out what this Grey Gale is. She's talking like if she learns to love her, she'll give her back the throne or whatever. Obviously, she's lying. And then the mother says that she's not her daughter and refuses to tell her anything, which you could read that one way in that, like, you've done all these bad things, I disown you. But then you later find out that she really isn't her daughter. So then after this whole thing of trying to get Dorothy to talk to like read her mind or whatever she gets locked in a cell next to the mystic man and he says that they can't talk because Azkadelia is listening and he says that the gray gale is a myth and the witch is going to destroy oz using the emerald and this machine 
you find out more about like what this whole plan is like i said was talking about at the beginning of this episode it's like she wants to plunge the land into darkness for some reason <laughs> and then yeah it turns out the witch was listening and she goes and kills the mystic man <laughs> and in this prison scene you have this other scene where there's this guy in a cage and the witch tells him that she'll set him free if he helps her and once the mystic man is dead this little dog comes in and helps dg escape and then she helps raw escape and somewhere in here the tin man and glitch have come in like everybody's reunited and the dog helps them all get out. But then he turns back into this guy who was in the prison, who the witch had told that she would give him his freedom if he helped her. So you know that this dog, who is Toto, <laughs> so Toto is evil, <laughs> because of course he is. <laughs> Gotta give it a dark twist. <laughs> so Toto is basically leading them to destruction. And he's like dropping these little coins for the witches flying monkeys to find and the coins they like show her what happened i guess i don't know it's like a video <laughs> message except magic but i think that everybody is sort of kind of distrustful of this guy but he convinces them to bring him along he talks like he knows dg and then he has this toy and suddenly she remembers that he was her tutor in childhood but because she was a little kid she called him toto because they've got to fit Toto in there somehow. Like, they can't call anybody else by their real names, but they got to call this guy Toto. <laughs> because, of course. <laughs> and this is another place where they mention the fields of the Papay. This is where I was like, there's got to be something in here. And there wasn't. It's just a field. And then, like I said, he's dropping these things for the witch to find so the flying monkey brings it to the witch but then there's this whole thing where the witch is in conference and she's just like whispering to herself so it's another clue that something is up with her and then the runners appear again the creatures that i don't know what they are they're just faceless four-legged things that want to eat them for some reason and toto tells her to use her gift she doesn't know what that means but somehow she does magic and this tree comes back to life and then all of the runner creatures start bowing to her. <laughs> because, of course, I don't know, whatever. I didn't get any of that. Like, why are they worshipping her? It didn't make any sense. <laughs> the, I think the whole thing with the runners is another thing that they could have cut. So then DG is also having all these dreams. She's remembering the past, remembering this lake country place. So they all decide to go there, and then they find this cabin on their way there, and there's this family. Somewhere in here, they figure out that Glitch knows about the machine, because like the family has some more information, and then he realizes that maybe he made the machine. So Ra does his psychic things to try and figure out what happened, and then you find out that this is why his brain has been removed or half of it has been removed is because the plans for the machine were in his brain so she took his brain so she'd figure out how to build the machine that scene was weird to me because it's like i thought they already told us all that information there was a lot of things where i think a lot of information was delivered twice just in a different way i think the new information that we got from the scene was that the machine is the reason that his brain had been taken out but okay. like they they could have put that in 
in another scene. I think this scene also served a purpose in giving Tin Man a clue that his son is still alive because Mm -hmm. the kid in this cabin has a toy that looks like the one his son played with. But like, this is another thing. It could have given that information somewhere else. Yeah. (laughs) So this is also where Toto, he drops another clue and Glitch almost finds it, which causes the monkey to attack and Tin Man shoots it. I guess because it's a tattoo, as Cadelia feels it die and she's like super upset, but also it's like she was talking about it like it was her best friend. (laughs) So either way, whether it's because it was part of her or whether it was because she actually loved this hideous creature, it's dead and she's upset. (laughs) She like sends her minions to find it. After that, they find this giant hedge maze and they run into it. It turns out that this is the lake country. The hedge maze leads to a bunch of dead trees. Apparently, Azcadalia burned the whole thing when she took over. Nearby, she finds this cave and she starts having memories of what happened in her childhood. And it turns out that all this stuff about Azcadalia not actually being Azcadalia and how they might have been friends when they were kids, it was because they were. And it was because they went into this cave. And for some reason, there was an evil witch in the cave. And she's possessed her. So Ascadalia has not been Ascadalia since she was a child because an evil witch possessed her in the cave. Because, of course, <laughs> it's like they've got to have some sort of redemptive element here. Just have the evil witch be somebody else. <laughs> and I guess that was the end of the second episode. I think I was taking less and less notes as I went along. <laughs> I think I was realizing that there was a lot of filler that I could just cut out. So then in the next episode, there's more magic stuff that I just did not understand. It did not make sense. She remembers finding a heart, like this rock that looks like a heart on the day that her sister was possessed. And they'd hidden it for the perfect day. And for some reason, taking this rock and skipping it on the ground like the ground is a lake turns everything back the way it was. I don't know why. I didn't understand why. Like, she had burned the place to the ground, and this rock had been hidden there before she turned evil. Why did the rock turn everything back to normal? I didn't get it. (laughs) Do you understand that? No. (laughs) (laughs) Magic! Yeah. But, like, I prefer my magic to at least make some sense. sense. I don't know. I I did not understand that at all. But whatever. (laughs) She also sees a message from her mother when all this happens. Her mother tells her to go to the realm of the unwanted. She needs to find somebody named Ahamo. And I was like halfway through the episode and somebody said Ahamo again. And I was like, wait a minute. So I wrote down the name Ahamo and I realized that Ahamo is just Omaha backwards. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was like, really? So it turns out that her father is the actual Wizard of Oz. Because why not? He, You find out later that he blew in from Nebraska on a hot air balloon, too. So, whatever. <laughs> like, who was the Mystic Man supposed to be? I don't know. <laughs> Just the, he was the Mystic Man. Whatever. <laughs> At this point... Azcadelia is kind of like catching up. She finds the dead monkey and she finds the cave and then the lake. And then for some reason, she like 
magically calls the stone back and throws it again. And the stone shows her the same message that DG saw. No safety method. <laughs> no, it's whatever. <laughs> it's, like, it's magic. And I, I need to suspend my disbelief a little more or something. <laughs> like I really wanted more of this to make sense. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, they figure out Toto is a spy. Cade wants to kill him, but DG won't let him. And then they force him to be a dog for the rest of the time <laughs> because he can't be a spy if he's a dog. I don't know. <laughs> he tells them like his reasons. So I guess they're sympathetic. So they let him stay at this point. Also, Ascadelia is starting to remember more of her childhood. And then she sort of starts having this split personality with the witch. Like she's arguing with the witch. And she remembers her father and then sends the monkeys to find him. This whole thing was another thing that they really could have cut out. But they get to this field, which is apparently the realm of the unwanted. And like, I thought this was supposed to be where the field of the Pope was. But like I said, we never find out what that even means. <laughs> And they find a wooden door and then they find a like Chinatown looking place. And like even some of the letters looked like they were supposed to be Chinese letters, except I'm sure they probably were just gibberish. (laughs) (laughs) And then they find this fortune teller who agrees to take them to the seeker who can find her father, but only if they pay her. And like all of this stuff could have been cut out. Like they could have just gone straight to her father. Yeah. Eventually they do find this seeker and it turns out that he's her father (laughs) and then the guards attack and everybody's captured except for DG who is taken by her father and he's talking about, he knows where everything is. He knows all the secrets. He knows what the gray gale means. He knows where the emerald is. I think Ascadelia was there too. So like they're far away just watching where they're going because they know that (laughs) if they watch long enough, they'll figure out where the emerald is. And then all these guards that had captured everybody else are attacked by this group of rebels. And it turns out that the rebels are led by Cain's son. Somewhere in here, we'd also learned that his wife was dead. I don't remember where that happened, but (laughs) we know that his wife is dead. His son is the only family he has left. So then we get more of DG's father's backstory. He was the person from Omaha. He's what it was. He has the hot air balloon. There's also the scene with Kane and his son interrogating the leader of these troops, finding out more information that we could have found out earlier if people had just (laughs) talked more. They figure out that Glitch's name is Ambrose and that his brain is actually controlling this machine that's going to destroy Oz. And like Kane's son wants to kill this guy, but Kane won't let him because it won't bring back his mother. So instead they lock him inside this, another one of those diving suits. And they say that they'll be back to let him out. If the witch is defeated, <laughs> DG and her father, they like use the balloon to fly to this mausoleum place. It's like a palace, but also like a mausoleum because like in every room in the palace, there's a grave because they got to bury the dead nicely. I don't know. <laughs> it's like the, I, I don't know why they did that, but whatever. All of her ancestors are apparently buried there. But they didn't and, bury her there because in the first episode, the witch digs up her grave, but it's like a normal grave. Oh, and then they that. realize she's not dead. And then it's just a normal grave. And I'm like, wait, but why didn't they be- put a grave into the actual oh. like royal family grave thing? <laughs> You're right. I don't know. 
<laughs> that's another thing that they could have rewritten, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, they're talking about people being called slippers as someone who slipped over from the other side. But this is an obvious, painful reference to the ruby slippers being the thing that can take you back and forth between Oz and Kansas. It's like, really? (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) That was like one of the most groan-worthy things. People are slippers because they can slip between dimensions or whatever. (laughs) But the oldest slipper was Dorothy Gale, who it turns out was the Grey Gale, obviously. (laughs) And she was the (laughs) oldest ruler of Oz because, just because, (laughs) whatever. So then Dorothy uses her hand. I mean, DG goes into Dorothy's tomb with her hand brand. (laughs) (laughs) And everything is in black and white because you got to have another nod to the MGM version. And she meets the real Dorothy, who gives her the emerald, and that's all. <laughs> Literally all that happens in there. Yeah, it felt really short. Yeah, like of all the places that they wanted to keep things quick, <laughs> I feel like they needed to give the real Dorothy more screen time. But anyway, she goes back outside. They're like caught by the witch. She shrinks her father for some reason. And it looks like she kills him because she's holding him in her hand and like she smashes her hands together. But it turns out he's not dead later. She just <laughs> wanted to make it look like she killed him, I guess. And steals the emerald and locks Dorothy in a marble coffin. <laughs> because that's don't kill your enemies. You gotta make sure that they're alive and able to come back and <laughs> defeat you later. <laughs> Like, it made sense for what they wanted for the story, but, like, as an actual villain motivation, it made no sense. (laughs) Locker in a box. And through all this, Toto has been running around free because they didn't capture the little dog. So Toto's just kind of following everybody, and he, like, leads everybody to where DG is. And meanwhile, Dorothy has learned how to use her magic and she's gotten out of the coffin herself because of her magic. I think this is the point where her brand disappears because she doesn't need it anymore because, <laughs> I, I don't know, <laughs> none of the magic in this thing made any sense. It's not it worked. <laughs> so then they're going to like infiltrate the castle. Dorothy's like giving everybody a pep talk and the pep talks are all very on the nose to the scene where they're like getting their heart and brain and courage in the original version, except it's yeah. Dorothy, not the wizard, giving them these things. It's just telling them that the, your courage is in you and you have everything you need and whatever. Yeah. And very on the nose. So then they all sneak inside. At the same time, this the machine is getting like warmed up. And Ascadalia is like bathed in this green light that's like coming from the machine through the roof to the moon because the eclipse is about to happen. Things are like going haywire. They're like trying to shut down the machine. DG is climbing up to the roof while nobody's looking and trying to talk Ascadalia down. But then she like gets thrown over the balcony, but she's not actually thrown over the balcony. She's like (laughs) hanging on. And like the machine's almost shut down. The green light's fading, but then they're caught and then they bring in one of the other little lion people, except it's a little kid for some reason. The green light's back, and everything is plunged into darkness. And then, for some reason, DG is, like, singing a song, and 
this is like getting through to Azkadeli or something. She convinces her to take her hand and she pulls her out of the light that's going up to the moon. But for some reason, this leaves the witch behind. The witch is not inside her anymore. But without the emeralds, the witch is helpless and she's like yelling at her, whatever. (laughs) Inside, they finally get the machine shut off and without the machine's power, the witch melts into goo. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because gotta have a, a melting scene <laughs> gotta melt the witch <laughs> everybody's reunited everything is better the whole family's back together and that's the end like, that's the end. it just ends <laughs> the end was like super abrupt <laughs> it's like you've had this four hour four to five hour long series all these long drawn out scenes that really didn't need to be long drawn out and then the end happens within like two minutes <laughs> everything <laughs> just it's done we're done telling the story now <laughs> it's like you could have at least had some sort of an epilogue to like <laughs> show the family back together being happy i know there's like a ton of criticism about how the last lord of the rings movie ends and there's like way too many endings and too many people too many scenes showing what happened afterwards but like, I liked that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want some closure, finding yeah. out what happened with all these characters, and like, this movie was long enough that we kind of needed to know what happened afterwards. No. <laughs> at least in my opinion. So, what are your overall thoughts? Um, I agree that it should have been shorter. There's a lot of scenes that cropped out. But because I watched it over um, such a longer period of time, what I, I had this kind of feeling for the show that it's not good, the writing's not great, but something kind of endeared was endearing about it. Mm-hmm. Like it was like, oh, you tried your best, pat pat pat. <laughs> 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 like I didn't find myself like disliking it. It was enjoyable in a lot of different ways, but you're just like, sometimes you're just like, no, just no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think that's probably about how I feel about it too. (laughs) Like do not watch this all at once. No. (laughs) (laughs) You will hate it if you do. (laughs) But if you watch this over a period of days, If you're a fan of The Wizard of Oz and you like science fiction things, I think this is a very watchable miniseries. For some people, even enjoyable. And it's obviously enjoyable because when I was like trying to find any sort of a breakdown of like which characters are which things in the book, like I found like fan sites and fan art and things. So this thing has fans. Mm -hmm. I think that it's a very small fan base, but it has fans. (laughs) So this is not a bad version, but I think it comes back to, again, it is very hard to touch the original, the MGM version. Like I've talked about this with almost everybody that I've done an episode with. The MGM (laughs) version is just really good. Yeah. Very well written. It's very well acted. Everything is made in a way that it does not feel dated. It feels timeless. Mm -hmm. And this feels dated. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I didn't mention it yet, but the special effects, the CGI, 
it's it's very dated and it's yeah. not bad and i say that because i just watched something that was very bad <laughs> i just finished watching a a horror movie <laughs> called flying monkeys <laughs> and it, it was also from the sci-fi channel but it happened like six years after this like it was made six years later and the cgi is utterly appalling it is atrociously bad so this as dated as it looks it looks great compared to (laughs) what it could have looked like it could have looked awful so they did their very best like i don't even i don't even say that condescendingly i think they did do their very best because this could have been a train wreck it could have been really bad but they got decent to good actors like, I don't think there were any actors in this that I felt, well, I take that back. The <laughs> actor who played little DG, there were times where she would deliver a line. And I was like, oh, really? You should have. Yeah. <laughs> but at least for the adults, they got competent actors, some of yeah. which were very good. So even though the dialogue is clunky to at times cringy, they delivered it well enough that it gets at least a pass. Mm-hmm. That really helped. Because if you have a bad script and bad actors, the badness of the script is just magnified by the bad actors. Yeah. If you have a bad script and good actors, you can do a decent job of hiding how bad the script is. Yeah. And I think that that helped with this a lot. But yeah, it's a good version for people who are fans of The Wizard of Oz who want something different. But if you're just looking for something to watch and you're not that big of a fan of The Wizard of Oz... You don't care too much about like sci-fi things. This is not for you. Yeah. This movie has a very narrow audience. Yeah. <laughs> the general public, I don't think is going to like this, but for people who do like this kind of thing, I think they'll like this. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I guess that's probably all. <laughs> <laughs> you want to plug your social media, etc. Yeah. So people can find me on Twitter at Katie Draw Things and on Instagram, Katie Draw Things again. And I'll have links to those below. Thank you. Anyway, I guess thank you for joining me. This was an interesting episode, but I'm glad I did it because if I do Oztober again, now I don't have to do this one. (laughs) As much as I wanted to watch this again, I knew it was going to be a chore because of how long it was. So I'm glad to just get it out of the way yeah okay well i guess i will see you for another episode one of these days i have to figure out what we're going to talk about we'll see you next time thanks for listening to this episode of every version ever if you like what you've heard don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you prefer and of course make sure to follow my co-hosts as well any relevant links will be in the description for easy access and we'll see you soon for another brand new episode of the show Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Every Version Ever.